Are you ready to take your real estate investing business to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. With your mentors, Wayne and Gabby. Good morning and welcome to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Today is Thursday, January 19th, 2023. The weather today will be a high of minus 2 degrees in Edmonton, minus 5 degrees in Saskatoon, and 2 degrees in Toronto. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? You guys are supposed to respond. (laughs) We are broadcasting live as we do every morning, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Mountain Time on the Podbean app. Join us live. There's a great community of investors here. You can see them. I can see them at the very least. And for those of you that are live, you can see them. There's a little chat box here and everybody's coming in saying, you know, Brandon has entered the studio and then Brandon says, good morning. I don't know if Brandon said good morning or not, but he said, good. You? He answered. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, thanks, Brandon. And, I, and Paul is tickety-boo. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it's amazing. You got this little chat box here, and everybody's here join, you know, enjoying the show live. There's also a call-in button. You can click in and call into the show and rant about the weather or those interest rates. Whichever, whatever, whomever. Nah, don't call in and complain about people. Um, but anyways, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool, uh, little platform here. We do live every morning and, um, what, what we encourage is everyone to call in and, or write in the comments, your questions, any questions you have about real estate investing, write them down and heck, if you got them during the day while you're, you know, while you're greasing that line or you're, you're pulling that wire or you turning that crank or you're, uh, Dancing on that table, whatever you're doing. I got a look from Gabby, sorry. Uh, whatever. But if you're thinking about something during the day and you're like, hey, how do I do that? Or like, I, I got to ask Wayne and Gabby about tomorrow morning. Write it down, bring it tomorrow morning and uh, and get that question answered because we'll answer it for free for you every morning, free coaching. Indeed, Zs. Who do we have joining us this morning? We have lots of good mornings this Is morning. Is John always the first person in? I don't know because I am not, so I do not see John enter the oh, room. Oh, I'm always the first person in. John is always the first person to say good morning at the very least. Okay, see, I, I miss John because I was late getting in. Mm. Matt Matt is always in very quickly as well. Kathleen as well. Yep, Kathleen says good morning all. Carlos is with us and Denis. We have Tyson saying good morning and Ken. Garrett says, hey, friends. Hey, Garrett. <laughs> Josh is here. Paul, Matt, Cody, Brandon, Paul, Tynan. Brandon also said, hey. I know that's how he meant it. That's how it's, that's how it's there. <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, we have Garrett, who's not too burnt, not too hungover, 29 degrees here, and is having tacos for breakfast. So he's not complaining. 
Uh, Kyle says, hello, hello. Live in the dream. Yeah. Just just live in the dream, buddy. <laughs> Good morning, Liam and Sheila and Leo. John, early bird does get the worm, doesn't it? Mm. Sean uh, says, morning, folks. And Lori with a high, high. Good morning, Eric. John says, Eric, you're late. <laughs> and Brandon did confirm that. He was saying, hey. Okay. Hi, Ellen. Hey, Nat. And we hey, didn't, Brooker. We didn't miss you slipping in there, Nathan. Um, <laughs> hey, another great uh, reason for joining in live every day is um, when you join in live uh, and you engage with the show. What, what, what does engage mean? Um, to be wed. No. When you, when you interact with the show, when you click the heart button and once you once you get into once you get into the little platform you know, you're, you're here you'll understand what we're talking about there's a little heart button you can click um you can call into the show you can uh share the show on different social media platforms like t t t twitter i'm assuming uh facebook facebook what's twitter pinterest I'm pretty sure just facebook I'm pretty sure you can share it to other things though. But anyways, when you share the show and you do all those other things, um, you it's it, it tallies up your engagement and, and it accumulates in the form of a currency, which is like a heart. I know, it's very complicated. But what we do every month at the end of the month is we tally up who had the most hearts for the uh, the month. And that, you know, determines who the top fan is. I'm looking at the top fan for right now. And as always, it's always Ken right at the top. <laughs> Ken and then Kyle. Um, okay, so what we do is uh, we make it fair and we take the top five fans every month, the show. And uh, we give everyone ballots. So first place gets five ballots. Second place gets four ballots. Third place gets three ballots. Fourth place gets two ballots. Fifth place gets one ballot. Put them into a little vintage REM, uh, it, real estate investor dad cup. We pull a name out on the first of every month. Now, uh, what, what are we at today? The 19th? So we're coming up. There's uh, probably another week and, week and change, um, you know, for you to, to build that up and to, 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 to get an opportunity to be pulled. Oh, I didn't even talk about the prize. The prize for winning top fan. What is it? <laughs> Are you drunk? What is it? I was just calming the dogs down. I'm back now. <laughs> uh, so fan top fan of the month. That's what we're talking about. Hey, so the prize for if you get if you get your little name pulled out of that little REI dad mug, you win two free coaching calls with Mr. Wayne Hillier uh in in that next month so those are um really great if you need to like have a strategy call and lock down like what it is you should be working on and kind of get started uh wayne makes sure that you uh literally send like a life bio beforehand so that he has a really good idea of who you are and where you're at and mm -hmm. he takes these very seriously i don't uh, say a word ken it's like <laughs> oh real seriously wayne those two unread emails <laughs> I looked at them and they look big and I'm like, Oh God. And we've been so busy this week. I haven't got back to them. Ken and I have been, 
having some trouble. I, I can vouch for us being busy this week. Um, I owe some people some money for some unpaid invoices in our inbox, which isn't like me. Is that why there's people hanging out with wrenches outside our house? <laughs> Um, no, we've just been out of the house every single day, which is not like us. We are always in the house. <laughs> so yeah. trying to get our last uh, flip on the market and have been putting in a bit of sweat equity and making stuff happen. So, yeah. Right on, right on. He'll, he'll get back to you, Ken. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> um, today. Uh, today is my day for sitting back down at my desk, and that's when I go through emails. It's hard to do on, on the road. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, well... Uh, yeah. So anyways, uh, February 1st, we'll be doing that draw. So, you know, engage with the show <laughs> <laughs> for your chance to win. I know. Sorry, I'm not making it sound all that exciting. Um, but it is pretty exciting. I mean, it's two free coaching calls. Uh, the coaching calls, you know, we, we charge $250 for that. So it's $500 worth of value. All you got to do is just join live, get your questions answered every day. It's win-win, right? Indeed. So it's, it's mostly win-win-win-win for you, right? Lots of wins. Anyways, um, big news for Kyler Gunderson. Uh, see in the chat here, he says we got, had a court offer accepted yesterday. Nice. So he's got a deal accepted. Congratulations. That's exciting. You know who else had an offer accepted? Who? Annette and Bradley. Yes, they did. Yeah. And I, I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like it was also a foreclosure type situation so they were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting if i recall there was some painter's tape on the toilet yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah so it's it's just a little inside joke for people who've dealt with foreclosures they normally uh they hire a property management company and then the property management company will post a notice to not flush the toilet because the lines have been drained or yada yada yeah and so they use painter's tape, you know, just a little joke. Some of you got it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but congratulations to uh, to everyone there. Um, anybody else get any offers uh, accepted? Brooker says currently working on a burr, has the, has the shitty honey oak thin 90s baseboards and matching doors. Worth painting it all white, or would you guys replace everything? With a burr, I'd paint it all white. If it's easy to paint. Some of them are really glossy. Uh, Yeah, sometimes you need to, like, strip them, which at that point, I'm not sure if it's worth the time. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it depends on their condition. I mean, you say shitty, do they look shitty, or are they beat up? Um, if they look shitty and you can make them look not sh- not as shitty, like just look fine, look rental rent ready mm-hmm. uh, with a coat of paint, then do that. But if they're like in crappy condition and they, you know, are all gouged up and stuff, then replace them. Yeah. Yeah. Those ones typically need to be stripped. But, um, you know, with a burr, you want to keep cost down as much as possible. It only needs to be rent ready for burrs. Yeah. Um, Brooker says, put an offer in Monday, get possession Friday. Ooh, that's a fast one. Hi, caramba. I can't imagine there were many conditions. <laughs> Not likely. Um, good morning, Al Ray. Good morning, Al Ray. Uh, I wanted to also do a, a big uh, happy birthday to Glenn. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Do you want loud Beatles or loud? You want loud I Beatles. It never gets old. <laughs> Best part about having your own morning show is having a DJ air horn. <laughs> Happy birthday, Glenn. Happy birthday. Uh, okay, let's uh, do a little uh, Johnny Five's comment was the best. I must have missed it. He said, Happy birthday, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I snorted. <laughs> if if Steph is listening, when you uh, when you surprise him uh, for his birthday next year, uh, when he comes home, make sure you have a happy birthday Ken sign waiting for him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she could also just do that today. There's still yeah. time. It's uh, early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's still early to stop. She's probably get enough for... night shift though. So true. True. Maybe not. <laughs> okay. Uh, upcoming events. We got a we got a few upcoming events. Um, well, next next Tuesday's networking event is sold out. Um, but we have our next Calgary REA Masters networking event um, announced. <clears throat> we released that yesterday. Um, already, we are running out of tickets. Um, there's not much left. We're well past half tickets sold. I'm just trying to pull it up here to see where if we sold out overnight. So guys, um, whenever we do these networking events, they sell out very quickly and there's limited spots. So we are way past, well past half sold. So definitely go register quickly for that. Um, you can go to Eventbrite and look up REI Masters or... The, the link is there in REI Masters free Facebook page. I'll pin it because I haven't. Um, yeah, but go and register for that. Uh, we got some amazing guest panelists coming uh, for this event in Calgary. We've got Barry McGuire. We've got uh, Jared Como, Matt Legere, and Dean Manti. And the topic for this networking event is going to be buying off-market properties. So all if, if you're intimidated by it, if you've never done it, or you're just trying to you know get a little more education, um, we'll be talking about all the things that, you know, that prevent people or that it discourage people from, um, doing that financing, you know, um, how to go about finding it yourself or with a wholesaler, um, papering it. Um, how is it different? All the different things that, you know, that, that make it different from a normal traditional purchase where, you know, a realtor holds your hand. So it's gonna be a very great event. Plus we've got the room for four hours. Okay. So if you guys are like, tired of Wayne flicking the lights and telling you to get the F out at these networking events or any other networking events. It's pretty much pretty standard that mm -hmm. you don't really get enough time to network at most events. We have reserved it for significantly longer so that you guys get the opportunity to network. Panel discussions are great. Q and a is great. However, the most valuable thing with these events is meeting new people bringing your business cards, having discussions. And I hate cutting people off mm -hmm. at our, at our events, but so that's, that's why we decided to extend it. So um, you're going to get tons of time for networking. And uh, so make sure you show up there right at two o'clock 
on Saturday, February 4th in Calgary. And it will be going on till 6 p.m., which is very exciting. And we're going to be holding these regular events on uh, the first of every month in Calgary. Yahoo. Going to see a lot of us. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so that's coming up. Uh, again, to register, go to Eventbrite, REI Masters, or uh, just go to the REI Masters Facebook group to uh, to register for that. Please, it's going to be sold out by the end of today, and everyone's going to be like, oh, can I get in? Can I get in? Nope. I can't. I can't. It's capacity. Um, that's, that's all we can fit in. So, all right. Um, that's what we got coming up now. What's, uh, Jeremy says to people still use business cards. Um, yeah, kind of, sort of. I mean, I've got a box here that's full of dust on my desk. Um, and I have another box in a drawer somewhere that has like older business cards and I never used. Uh, Yeah. I mean, like you can ask for someone's phone or it, it's, I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird. <clears throat> um, business cards were, they were very easy to hand over here. Here, hey, here's my business card, you know, add me on your social channels and uh, here's my phone number as well. Then, but now it's like, Hey, so what's your number? You're like, Oh, just one second. Just, just open this up. Um, okay. What is it? And then you do the phone number thing. And, uh, what's your, what's, what's your name again? Cause you clearly people don't remember give, their people name. People give out their phone numbers. <laughs> Oh, I don't give them my, I, I don't like to. You're like, um, sorry, I am not going to give you my phone number. Gabby's a celebrity though. Um, <laughs> but then it's like, I don't know about you, Gab, but I'm terrible for remembering names. Someone introduced themselves. Oh, 100%. You get into a conversation, 10 minutes later, you're like, oh, fuck. Was it Glenn or was it Ken. And then you're like, oh, yeah. And uh, what was your last name again? And try to get their last name because you don't want to ask their first name because you don't want to seem like you forgot their first name. So I kind of like business cards for that. Just that there alone. It's not yeah. that I don't respect the person's or their first name. It's just that you get into a deep conversation and you forget it. Yeah, for sure. Or you second guess it. And same thing. Like what I mostly do is just if I'm adding somebody at, at a networking event, I just say like, oh, what's your Instagram handle? And then I add them, Ooh. but then they're lost forever. Like then I don't remember their handle was something weird mm -hmm. and uh, I don't recall who they were and they're gone forever. So yeah, I could like, I 100% am the type of person where if I had a business card, I would remember who you were and the conversation attached to it um, and what you do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause business card also talks about their business. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas if I just add somebody or put a number in the phone, I'd be like, okay, what's your phone number? And I'd put their number in and then I'd like go to the notes section. And like, as I'm talking to them, I'd be like, they are a interior designer and they live in Sherwood Park. Mm. That's the only way I would ever remember. But then their name would be lost in my contacts forever. Right. So I'm pro business card. Me too. I, I'm, I'm kind of pro business card myself. Um, hey, guess what? Val just... <laughs> signed up for the Cal why is my phone buzzing oh it's because val just joined nice. uh for the calgary uh, networking event awesome anyways um sorry it's just it distracted me um yeah i'm pro uh business card as well um you know what i do i want you guys just to picture this when you guys give me your business cards what i at these events what i go do it is i get into bed 
I get ready for bed and the lights are off and you see the little white light from my phone just on my face. And there's me with like 12 to 15 business cards, just like um, adding these people to social media and putting their information into my phone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I put them in like the, my bedside table and then just there's just like a a, a, a cemetery of, of of business cards in my top drawer. That's true. And uh, that never get emptied out. That and keys. That's where I put keys. Keys that I don't know what they're for. Um, that it's been emptied out a few times, but that's, that's, <laughs> so if there, if I ever find a key in my pocket or a key in the car or something like that, or a key in the garage, I'm like, what's this for? It's for his other family's house. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's just a little inside to my top drawer. Um, Sheila says Gabby doesn't give out phone numbers, but she signs autographs. Um, when I met Sheila, she's like, I want to, I want to get you to sign something, but I didn't bring anything. But it's funny because I actually did give Sheila my phone number. I think yeah. she's the only person I've ever given my phone number to. Don't and I didn't hesitate. Don't make everybody else feel worthless. <laughs> I don't, I don't actually, you know what? I don't know if anybody's actually asked me besides Sheila. I think Sheila had some, some balls. <laughs> not, not saying that I'm, I'm a celebrity and, and nobody has the balls to ask for my phone number. <laughs> but. That was a, I liked meeting Sheila. That was fun. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Uh, how about a little commercial break? How's that sound? Sound Let's good? Do it. All right. Some of you might have heard us talking about DCI Properties and how much we like their process and deal flow as one of the premier wholesaling companies in Canada. But one of the things most people don't know about DCI Properties is that they don't cherry pick deals for themselves. Everything they get under contract, they offer out to their buyers list. That's right. No sloppy seconds from no DCI. No sloppy seconds. So if you're an investor looking for their next flip project or cash flowing rental property, get on their buyers list today and check out their inventory. To get on the list for Alberta deals, visit www.dciproperties.ca slash Alberta buyers. Or for Ontario deals, go to www.dciproperties.ca slash buyers. And we are back. I didn't see any questions this morning so far. Did you? No. Nope. Okie dokie. Did not. Uh, except Alan's. What's Alan got? Um, <clears throat> Alan says, can you share your experience with any radon gas concerns? Is it a big deal in Edmonton? Is there a test, any test requirement? Does it depend on the age of the house? How often should it be tested? What do you do if there's a high level, et cetera? The silent killer. Yeah. You know, Gabby and I had about a 10 minute conversation about this three years ago. <laughs> Cause I, I, I don't know. I, I saw some article or something like that. I, I, I've known it's a thing for a very long time, but I don't take it so seriously because nobody else takes it seriously. Um, however, everything I read and everything, every expert that I, that I talk to about it says like, yeah, dude, it's like some serious shit. Yeah. Um, and I like, I think that I think, from what I, the little that I know about it is that basically like, let's say Canada wide, that every house is going to have some level of it, but there is a 
safe level and there is a level that exceeds what is safe. Yeah. And um, I, I know that it did come out that basically like everybody should test. I'm, I'm talking Edmonton because that's where I, that's where the news articles that we read came from. Yeah. Those three years ago, however long it was. Re- like, I don't remember all the details of it, but I knew that like you can, I believe you can add like a, like almost like a carbon monoxide tester in, in your, to, to kind of monitor it. And also you can have, you can have someone come in and test it. Yeah. You can also get test kits. Test kits. Yeah. And like, I know that actually um, my sister, before she sold her house, um, had to do some uh, whatever it is, remediation, like however, what you have to do to get rid of it. Yeah. I don't. And again, like I didn't have an in-depth conversation with her. I just knew that there was unsafe levels tested in the house and that they needed to get a contractor in and do a whole bunch of work in the basement. Um, So it's definitely a thing. And um, yeah. Uh, honestly, Alan, I think it is. I, I think it should be something that everyone concerns themselves with. Um, all science and, 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 you know, points that way. Is it a big deal? Yeah, I think it is. But for Life some reason, death. no one takes it seriously, including myself. Yeah. It's a, it's a big reminder. I recall it being actually quite expensive to test. And I'm like, I'm not spending that kind of money on that gimmick. I think so. I after a quick Google, I think that um, in Edmonton, you can just pick up a write-on testing kit at like the public libraries, which is interesting. But that's where they have them for handout. Wow, free audiobooks and free radon <laughs> yeah. kits. But it's so radon is a radioactive gas that causes cancer. It's found in rock, soil, water, some building materials, and natural gas. You can't yeah. see, taste, or smell it. Um, yeah, so. It can enter. What's it do? Like, what is it? Uh, so, if it says if a house's water supply contains radon, radon may enter the air inside the house through pipes, drains, faucets, or appliances that use water. Then the radon may get trapped inside the house. But says um, that studies show that nearly one out of every fifteen ho- houses in Canada has unsafe levels of radon. How many? One out of fifteen. So if you live Those in numbers an, are actually quite fucking high. Yeah, and if you live in an area that has large deposits of uranium, you may be more likely to be exposed to high levels of radon. Yeah. Well then, Nat says causes lung cancer. Yeah, uh, radon causes about four thousand lung cancer deaths each year in Canada. Second leading cause of lung cancer to tobacco. Why isn't it um, talked about? Well, it was. They did make a big deal out of it. When? 2019, whenever that... It was about three years ago, yeah. Did something happen? Or did like did someone just do a report and then all the other news outlets just shared it that day? I don't know. And then something else and uh, something else happened in 2020 that kind of like was a little more serious and everybody forgot about it. What happened in 2020? <laughs> What was it? <laughs> so um, to prevent it from entering the house, the most common way to do this is through sub-slab depressurization, which vents air from beneath the foundation. Um, Great band name. <laughs> you can also uh, seal cracks in the foundation and vent it out of the building. So uh, venting to reduce the level of radon, include using fans, blowers, suction devices to remove it from the crawl spaces and basements and other areas. So you're not going to do, you're not going to pick up that kit at Home Depot though. 
you're gonna no, you're to, gonna pick it up at the library. No, that, that's. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you're gonna be hiring a company to remediate it, though. Yes. One hundred. Yeah. Um. Ken says gas stoves now seem to be getting a bad rap from the wokesters. Any thoughts? I don't know. I, what's because of this? Because of radon? No, I, oh. I I think it would probably have something to do more about waste. Maybe. I don't know. Um. Well, how do I Google this, Ken? Yeah. Do I just like Google gas stoves? Emissions thingy. Emissions? <laughs> Is it a... Yeah. I... I, I uh, Ken, I'm a little out of my um, my expertise here. Okay, so sorry, going back to Radon. Uh, Nat says, November is Radon month, and Health Canada talks about it. A man lost his child in BC and has been talking about it ever since. Hmm. No more jokes. So there you go. Got tested. Uh, Ken says products of combustion. What's that? Other than another great band name. <laughs> products of combustion is probably going in my top five list of best band names. Uh, okay. And Tyson's going to start the band with me. Wicked. All we need is someone to slap the skins. Sorry, uh, play the drums. And when uh, we're laughing, we got a three-piece. Should we carry on now? Yeah, sure. Okay. Jared um, has a question. Garrett says he loves slapping people. Uh, what's whose question? Sorry, Jared? Yes. Okay, perfect. I feel like you're extremely offended by me today. Do, do I need to play the offended song? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, Jared had a question about agreements for sale. I haven't read this. It's, it's, I, I read it. Okay. So he asks. The, well, I guess the only thing is that about you, people, people you. who don't understand agreements for sale are going to be like, what the hell are they talking about? Well, go to Toronto on April 1st and take the workshop. Okay. Uh, Jared said, if you get a flip, so a fix and flip property by way of agreement for sale, would you write X amount of checks for X amount of dollars to cover the obligations for the duration of the flip? Or would you cut them one large check in whatever amount that will cover your obligations for the length you expect to take? Hmm. That's a great question. Two ways to go about paying um, your monthly payments uh, to your seller. Uh, and that will cover the uh, your mortgage portion, the property taxes, the condo fees if applicable, HOA, and uh, and insurance if insurance stays under their name. Uh, one way to do it is, like you said, uh, post data checks um, for you'd have to do it for every month. You because other unless you want to cut them a check, say example for example your. Uh, your agreement for sale is for 12 months. Do you really want to cut them one check and let them cash it right now? No. No. Um, 
And, and and so you probably do posted a checks for every month. I feel like this whole conversation is postdated. <laughs> so one of the biggest concerns that people have when they're doing that, uh, whenever we do an agreement for sale workshop or course, people ask, well, what if the seller just takes the money and doesn't pay their underlying mortgage? Well, how do you, how can you can how can you force them to? I mean, you're going to give them money, and you say you better pay your underlying mortgage and keep everything square so that you're you know you don't get you know you don't default on your mortgage and then ruin this agreement for sale deal that I have. So what people started doing was they started. Wow. Okay. Go ahead. Well, Jared says, "LOL, that's their problem." But no, Jared, that is your problem. If they default on the mortgage, the bank comes after the house and, you do and not you're in second position <laughs> and you don't get that house no more. If yeah. they get foreclosed on, bye-bye house and, and bye-bye all that money you just spent on your flip. And bye-bye all that money that they just ran away with that you gave them that you yeah. were not getting back. <laughs> it's your number one risk yeah. with an agreement for sale <laughs> is that there's, you know, there's a contract that says you're supposed to do this, 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 and this, and this. It's a fucking piece of paper. You can't force them to do anything with a piece of paper unless you want to hold it to their neck and give them a really deep paper cut. It's a fucking piece of paper. Contracts are nothing but thin sheets of tree. That's it. And what you do with that contract is you take it to court and you spend tens of thousands of dollars and tens of months <laughs> fighting and you, most of that legal bill you you don't get back you like you you can't you don't get reimbursed all of your legal fees you get reimbursed like 30% of it i might be off by a little bit just to get the equity that you that was built into the house while you were there so for the 3 months while you're doing all those renovations and the money that they so the money that you paid to the seller the money that you put into the renovations and everything else you go in you're going to you're going to fight with them for 2 years in court to get the equity that you built up for 3 months you get spent tens of thousands of dollars and and 2 years of your life to try and get $4000 back it's it's so, and you probably won't go to court for that so you're probably just going to say fuck it and walk away yeah and lose a, and lose a lot of money so yeah it's a huge concern huge cuz that the bank is in first position because their mortgage is on title your agreement for sales um, uh, agreement contract is in second position, meaning that the bank gets their money first and you get what's ever left. And but you don't get what's ever left because the unpaid seller's equity is the seller's, not yours. Very complicated stuff to get into on a Thursday morning when most people have never taken an agreement for sale course. But these are things that get covered in the workshop. For those of you who are like, oh, yeah, I watched I watched some guy in Ontario do a webinar about agreement for sale. I know what the fuck's going on. No, you don't. You don't. You got you to gotta take a course before you do this advanced strategy, please. And this is why I don't talk about it on the show because it, like, there's so many little intricate things that need to be understood and um, little nuances that you need to understand. So, but back Sorry, we just wanted to really um, stamp that in that, yes, it's 100% your biggest risk with an agreement for sale. Now, how do you prevent that from happening? How do you prevent someone from just taking your checks or your large 12-month check 
and just, you know, going and paying off their debts or, going you know, on vacation, going on vacation, um, snorting it up their nose. How do you stop that from happening? What people uh, do in most cases is they set up a joint checking account. And with the joint checking account, um, you will have yourself and the seller on the account. And you can also have it set up that the seller can't take any money out. View only. View only. And what you do is you get them to have their mortgage, their property taxes, their HOA condo fees, and insurance to come out of that one account. So every month you put the money into the account, they can see the money coming in, and then you can see the money being, it's, it's automatically um, auto withdrawal for the mortgage payments, condo fees, and property taxes. So you can see it being paid. So you just check there every month that everything is good, that it's being paid. There shouldn't be any reason that a payment would be canceled. And there shouldn't be any reason why uh, your seller would be able to pull the money out. Unless, of course, you have an account where the seller can pull money out. But at the very least, the worst that's going to happen is they're going to pull one month's worth of payments out. And if that's your worst case scenario, it's not that bad. Yeah. Well, and then you can address it at that time. Exactly. Instead of not realizing that they're four months behind and, well, what's happened? You can call the mortgage company and be like, hey, I'd like to make a direct payment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you can deal with it. Um, rather than, like Gabby said, finding out four months later that they haven't been paying the mortgage payments. And you're like, I thought it was in good standing. I thought you guys were taking this money. So a lot of, a lot of measures have been put into place to, to ensure that everyone does what they're supposed to do. And, you know, another question that, uh, um, you know, sellers have is, is like, how do I know it's going to get paid? Well, where we do a joint checking account and every month you can see that money will be going in and you can see that your payments are being made. And everything is in good standing. Yeah, it's their risk as well to make sure that you're making the payments Absolutely. as the buyer. So this is the perfect way that everybody is assured that everything's getting done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the seller's concerned that, okay, well, if you don't make the payments, it's going to damage my credit yep. like big time. Yep. Missing a mortgage payment or missing, missing a home equity line of credit payment, which is pretty much a mortgage payment, is the worst way to damage your credit say goodbye to ever getting qualified for a decent mortgage ever again. And buying a vehicle. And buying a vehicle, <laughs> yeah. Um, it really hurts. It's like the worst thing you can have on your credit report. Yeah. Um, and that shit stays there for years. So, yeah. Um, but anyways, that's that's how you solve it. Um, I would not give them uh, months of post-dated checks. I would, I would strongly recommend setting up a joint checking account. You can find free ones or you can find relatively cheap ones. Yeah. And uh, and Gabby and I, what we do is we actually have, um, we normally keep a few thousand dollars in that account, even though in a lot of cases, like I don't want to keep my reserve fund in there, um, but we keep a few thousand bucks in there in the event that something happens. I always I always want my, my, my seller, the seller for the agreement for sale to feel comfortable. So, well, what if you guys forget? Well, that's why we always keep $3,000 in that account. That way, in the event that we forget, which we never do because we have checklists and reminders, in the event that we were to forget, there's always enough money in there to cover all the expenses. And you can check in on that. And they feel comfortable with that. <clears throat> there was another agreement for sale question that came in recently. Was there? What have we got going on in the comments? Um... John is asking, 
can't you write the seller's name and the bank on the check you give them with the mortgage account number on the note payment section? The thing, though, is that, John, is that you're not making a payment directly to the mortgage. That that check isn't being given to the mortgage company to check to cash. It's being given to the seller to cash and to make their mortgage payment. So it, do, it makes zero difference if you have what it's for in the in the memo section. The the seller is still cashing that check into their bank account so that the mortgage payment can come out of it. So um, any regardless, if you're doing an agreement for sale, get a joint checking account. It's yeah. what everybody does. It's the safest. It's it it's just how it's it what should all the be pros done. Do. It's, yeah. it's the safest, securest. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy asks: So, using a vendor take back mortgage for flipping is more secure? Uh, technically, yes. Uh, technically, I would say that um, a vendor take back mortgage is always, in my opinion, better than an agreement for sale. Um, because with the vendor take back mortgage, the title transfers into your name. With an agreement for sale, you have um, you have your interest registered on title in the form of a caveat, um, and title stays in the seller's name. But the reason for that is because um, the mortgage is still like the seller in an agreement for sale. The mortgage, uh, the seller keeps their mortgage on in place, right? With the vendor take back mortgage, um, that is in order for a VTB to happen, uh, the seller would need to have the equity in order to lend to you. Meaning that they would have to have a free and clear mortgage or free and clear title, sorry. And then they can offer you a vendor take back mortgage on from their equity. So the the likelihood of finding a VTB for for any rental property or flipping is very rare. It's very rare to find people who have free and clear mortgages. And if they do properties. And if they do like what's their motivation to give you a VTB opposed to- They want to, their money yeah, today. They just want to sell it and move on. So, I mean- it, yeah, It's it's possible for sure. It's possible. Right. People yeah. do it. But like most of the VTBs you hear about on Bigger Pockets and their other podcasts or YouTube videos and stuff like that, people are talking about like how the seller is giving a VTB of $35,000 and I just need to come up with the other $473,000. Like, shut, come on. Just and people get so excited and horny about like, oh, I got a VTB, I got a VTB. Well, if you if you understood VTBs, you'd know that like they're they're very uncommon because like it just doesn't it doesn't really make sense a lot of times. Like, why would you why would you get a seller to give you a, a vendor take back a sec, a vendor take back mortgage for their fifty thousand dollars worth of equity at seven percent? Let's let's say twelve percent for today's interest rates. And then go and borrow the other three hundred fifty thousand dollars from a conventional lender at four percent or five percent. Doesn't make any sense. Like, why are you borrowing money at a higher interest rate? Why wouldn't you just borrow all of it from the 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 conventional lender, right? Because I mean, years ago, you used to be able to you used to be able to go to a bank like TD and say, "Hey, I want an eighty percent mortgage for purchasing this property," right? And then you could borrow the other 20%, the down payment from your seller in the form of a VTB. So it would be a second position VTB. So instead of the seller getting their equity back, instead of the seller getting their equity back, they would lend it to you in the form of a mortgage 
that would be in second position. And then you could quote unquote, use that as your down payment. And banks would be kind of sort of okay with that. It was a it was a case by case. Now banks don't allow at most banks don't allow that at all. Most banks will not allow you to use a VTB and be 100% financed on a property. They want to know that you got some skin in the game. Um, can you do a private lenders? 100%. Like you can get a private lender that says, you know, I'll lend 80%. But like most private lenders, same thing. They want to know that you have some skin in the game, especially with flips. Like if, you, if you're inexperienced with flips, this is like your first flip. Um, lenders don't want to see you 100% leveraged on your property because you're still new. You're still figuring it out. The likelihood of failing is a lot higher. So they don't want you, they want you to have some skin in the game so that when they come after you, there's something there as opposed to fighting other lenders who are untitled because you don't have any, you know what I mean? And, and like the likelihood as well of you actually following through and doing whatever it takes in order to make sure this succeeds is a lot lower when you don't have anything in it. If all the money that you bought, like you borrowed all the money for the mortgage, the purchase, you borrowed all the money for the renovations and you're like, oh, fuck, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. It's more likely that you're just going to walk away and say, fuck it. But if you had 50 or 60 or $100,000 of your own money into it, you're a little more inclined to fight for it to make sure it works. That's why lenders want to make sure you have some skin in the game. Um, sorry, I got a little off topic there, but VTBs are just so uncommon because you can't, you can't use them for down payments anymore. And also, it's so rare to find someone who has a paid off house or a paid off mortgage um, who is willing to lend you their equity rather than receiving it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Unless it's someone like in the community who can see the value of getting a return on their money. You know, a, a 63 year old woman or a 75 year old man who paid off their house 10 years ago is not going to be like, oh, sure, I'll lend you the money, my equity at 5%. They don't know what the hell that is. And they don't know who the hell you are. So agreements for sale, though, you don't need to have the equity. There can literally be a mortgage. There could be a $300,000 house and there could be a $300,000 mortgage on it. There could be zero equity and they can still provide you seller financing. It doesn't matter about equity. And that's why agreements for sale are so awesome because it doesn't matter about the how much equity is in the property it just matters if the seller is willing to carry their mortgage for a period of time mm -hmm. super complicated stuff so many more questions to ask is there any in the comments um well yeah uh VT, <laughs> VT, no it's just a simple answer vtb is way more common in commercial multifamily oh yeah uh, world than it is in residential for yeah. sure 100 for sure it's used like it's it's almost because financing is a pain in the in the in the butt butt um uh for commercial and multi because it takes so long and it's it's a little bit it's a long process so if you can get a seller to you know provide you some financing um and and the lenders that you use for those types of um deals are are different they're not like td and rbc so that world's completely different. So it, it's not apples to apples. You, and, and just because you own lots of residential properties does not mean that, you know, you're qualified for commercial um, or multifamily. So it's two completely different business models. Yeah. So you got to you got to do your research on both. But um, what else we got going on here? Nothing. No. Okay. Uh, someone else asked while we're on the topic of agreements for sale um, recently, have you 
how have you offloaded most of your AFS deals? Did you end up taking out mortgages on them for buy and hold, or did you sell them when the term was up? Didn't we already answer this one? Did we? Yes. You forgot to delete it. <laughs> okay. Next question. <laughs> uh, not related. How does your utility cap clause look like in your lease agreements? Um, we talked about this a while ago and, um, we actually do not have a utility cap in our lease agreement, Yeah. nor have we ever in our 10 plus years of investing had an issue with utilities. Um, it's a vulnerability. And yeah, it's, it's definitely a vulnerability and, um, I think that I probably won't bother putting one in until I face a until problem, <laughs> until something happens. Um, but yeah, we don't personally use it. We never have had to. Um, um, well, obviously some understanding and some research uh, on utilities rates and usage need to be done beforehand. And that's why I haven't done it because like I'd have to dive deep into it for a few hours and I don't have a few hours. I don't, there's, um, this is one of those tasks that doesn't make me any money. Uh, it's only a task where I would have to react to, it would be a reaction, like a reactive task because something happened and I'm losing money. Okay. I need to put something in place, yeah. but if everything's fine, uh, most of our stuff is, is, um, I, the tasks that I do during the day make me money. And this is one of those ones that would be really great to have, but just haven't got around to doing it. So I would recommend like, and please don't take this the wrong way, but like if you're new in the game and you know, you've only got one or two or three or four properties, I'd strongly recommend doing it right now while you have the time. And I know most people think that you're busy with that, but just imagine having a lot more properties and a lot more businesses. It's it, your, your busy will always, um, uh, will always change over time and it'll be a new busy and a new version of busy. So I say, get on it now. What I do is go through your utility bills, find out what you're paying, Find out if you have a floating or a fixed rate for natural gas and for electricity uh, and water. Um, figure out what the cost is. Obviously, I, I kind of like fixed personally. I don't like floating. Um, oh, 100%. You should, especially today in January 2023, you should not be on floating rates. Yeah. You got to lock that shit in. It's yeah. wild. Yeah, but do do your research and find out what um what everybody else is paying for fixed rates and not just, you know, uh, my bill says this. But like seriously, go and ask people to like, hey, can I see your utility bills for your properties? And just kind of see and just do your research um to make sure that you're you're at a competitive rate. Go ahead. Well, yeah, and there's like and I know like you can go onto websites and see what all the different companies uh rates that they're offering. So that's the problem with like if I ask if you ask me to see my bills and look at my rates, I have some really freaking low rates that I locked in a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, well, I went and did some serious research on it a few years ago and to make sure that I I I we were paying the right rates. Yeah. But what I was, what I kind of wanted to cut you off a little bit, Wayne, because I think it's less about how much, like what rate you're locked into and what the cost of the bill is. I think it's more about the actual usage. Yes. How many, a cap on the, on the gigajoules and kilowatts that are being used instead of a price cap. Because 
if you look at my utility bills for any one of my properties, let's call it a suited property in Edmonton. In August, I can have literally a $250 bill. And in February, I can have a $750 bill. Like it is insane. Yeah. So I look at, you know, when I'm charging, when I'm deciding how much I'm going to charge for utilities, I'm looking at the previous year and saying, what was my average? So Take some, the total divided by 12. So like right now, it's kind of like around the, uh, six, let's call it 600 or 575 mark, something like that. It's under 600, but that's the average. And I just make sure that that's being covered. So in the months where you know, like the, the person's paying, let's call it 575 for utilities, but I might get, get a bill for 750. Yeah. But in the summer, I'm making up for it because yeah. I'm getting a $250 bill and I'm collecting 575. Yeah. So it's more, if you're going to put a cap, put a cap on the usage. usage, not on the dollar amount. And, and just like Gabby did research on what the cost of her total, you know, cost of her bills were for the last 12 months and divided by 12, take the last 24 months or maybe the last th 36 months. Cause I think it's important, not just, you want to look at, you know, maybe you got one tenant living in the basement or in the main floor right now, but you know, two years ago you had a full family where like your mom and dad and three kids. Yeah. You want to see what the usage was and what the average usage was, how much water was being used, how much electricity was being used, how much natural gas was being used um, and get a good understanding of like what were the peak months for heat, how much extra gigajoules were there um, of natural gas. Um, like I would I wouldn't just look at the last six months or the last 12 months because that's just that one single person that's been in there. What about the one where they had the dogs? You know, were they bathing the dogs? What about the one uh, with the girls who were heavy into fashion that did laundry every day or or you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Someone who does lots of laundry. So, so bizarre. Someone like so bizarre. give me a better example <laughs> of a person who does lots of laundry. Somebody who works in the stinky trades and comes home covered in crap. Go. But he's also <laughs> into fashion. But he's also or she. <laughs> Past. <laughs> Washes his clothes every day. Um, yeah, well, there you go, right? So, you know, are they doing a lot of extra um, laundry? Obviously, that'll that'll contribute. But I think the biggest one is, is going to be water and how many showers and baths, right? Um, heat is another thing as well. Um, if you've got two furnaces in the house, maybe it's a bigger house and there's two furnaces, it's just going to be a lot of extra natural gas, you know, heating that up. And then electricity, I mean, mm, if people tend to leave lights on, you know, yeah, uh, it's not, I don't think you're going to go like, even if you had the lights on all day, every day, I don't think it's really going to change that much. But anyways, go and look back years past and see what the usage was. And then you can try and figure out, okay, what's the cap? Even in the, in the coldest months, in the coldest months, I knew it never went above this many gigajoules for natural gas. In the hottest months, I know with my air conditioner, the electricity never went above this many kilowatts. And you can put that right in there. If it goes above this many kilowatts there, well, then the next question is, what are you charging? How do you, how do you measure it? Right? If there's a, and I don't, I don't, I don't know how to, the unit of measurement, sorry, I don't know um, how much the cap would be. And so I'm, I'm speaking out of my butt right now, but, you know, say that it went 10 over, you know, do you have a cost per, like a cost per kilowatt, you know what I mean? 
Or do you have a $50 fee? Do you have a $100 fee? Another, you know, one of the big ones is um, when someone uh, doesn't realize that the toilet is still running. Yeah. Maybe the handle isn't properly um, uh, down or up, sorry. And the flap stays open and the water keeps running. That's a big one. Yeah. You'll notice $300 gone that month and they're too ignorant to hear the grunting all day and all night. And then you go there three months later and you're like, what's going on with this? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's been doing that. Yeah. Oh, by the way, anyone tells you you shouldn't be doing inspections on in your property. There's one right there. You won't get the bill until like months from now. Yeah. Yeah. It's and happened. then so it's happened. <laughs> Ask yeah. us how we know. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, if you don't have a cap on it, obviously you're screwed. There goes a few thousand, a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks gone. Um, or... If you do have a cap and this is a tough conversation because like if you did, there was an extra $200 worth of water and you went, and you had it written in your lease, how would you write that down so that a tenant would agree to it? Because most tenants would be like, that's not my fucking problem. You're the one that's supposed to be maintaining this. And then you'd be like, yeah, you're supposed to fucking tell us. Well, I don't know. I'm 21 years old. I've never had a house before. So how do you, are you seriously, and there lies the question, are you going to charge them that 200 bucks, even if you could? Because the second you do that, shots are fired, and this relationship with this tenant's done, and now you're going to have a vacancy at the end of your term. Otherwise, this tenant's been fantastic, paying rent on time, they keep it nice and clean. Are you going to jeopardize the tenancy over that $200? And in most cases, Gabby, I wouldn't. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, like as we're talking about this, I'm remembering back to like when we were putting our leases together and we were starting and I have seen some of those agreements. It's been almost a decade since I've seen them. So I don't recall how they were structured, but um, I do have a problem with them. And I think that's probably ultimately why I never decided to implement them is because of all of the reasons that you just heard us talk through. Mm -hmm. Also, like if there's a water usage limit, is that going to prevent them from wanting to water the lawn in the summer? Yeah. You know, like to maintain your property. So there's. Well, that'll add up. And also like if it's, um, you know, we've talked about this more recently, if it's a suited property and you're, um, you know, you're paying for the utilities and then doing your, your split, which most people do. Um, and then the water usage is high and you only have one, one big water tank in the property, how do you, how, who do you charge? Who, who are you pinpointing for the problem? Unless you know that, oh, it was the main floor's toilet that was leaking, but maybe the basement uh, tenant uh, has been having really long showers and the yeah. upstairs tenant knows that. Now you're creating a fight. Yeah. Like it's just, there's so many holes to be poked in it that uh, it doesn't seem especially considering we've never faced a problem. Yeah. It doesn't seem like something that needs to be implemented in my eyes. Well, the utility caps only apply to houses where there's shared utilities, right? Because Yeah, otherwise they're taking care of them. Otherwise, themselves. like single yeah. family dwellings or where there's only one tenant, they cover the utilities themselves. So this only applies to units where there's more than one tenant and you are covering the utilities. Yeah. So like your secondary suites, your duplex type thing. So... Just as Gabby said, like, yeah. how do you prove who did it? Yeah. So what's the point? And, and and if you, so say that it was, it went over $300. 
you go to the both tenants and be like, hey, guys, the utility bill went over $300. We're going to be charging each of you $150 because we can't tell who it is. You try and take that to the RTDRS or to your landlord tenant board and try and make an argument on that, you're not going to win because how do you prove it? And that's kind of, so we've kind of had this discussion. It is a vulnerability. We've been trying to find a solution, but I've never just put the amount of time into it. This is probably the most I've talked about it in three years. Um, Cause I just can't seem to come to a solution. Every time we, we discuss it, it's just like, well, what the fuck are we going to do? But also trying to find a solution for a problem we've never had. True. So, True. There's no motivation there either. But you know, uh, another great reason just to f- close the show out on why I'm slowly kind of leaning away from houses with secondary suites. Just another reason. Just add it to the list. Um, you know, secondary suites, they just, ugh, sorry, I, like, I don't want to, I don't want to discourage anyone or to, um, I don't want my opinion to, to affect your decisions on your investments because everybody looks at houses with secondary suites. They're like, oh my God, two tenants. If one of them's gone, I've always got money coming in. It's great. Higher rents. I can get 3,300 bucks a month on this property. And suddenly it didn't work as a single family. Now it works as a duplex. It's great. Tra-la-la. And uh, great. Lots of, uh, lots of tenants. It's an affordable price point. But what you don't think about is the increased vacancy, the increased repairs and maintenance, the vulnerability for utilities, <laughs> um, you know, people bickering back and forth at each other, the lawn never getting watered or, or mowed, and uh, snow, sidewalks never getting shoveled, and everything else that comes with it. All of that, like all those things I just mentioned, cost money. So all that extra money you're making for secondary, you know, houses with suites is gone out the window by all these um, secondary, um, you know, expenses that come with anyways. Yeah. I not, not a fan. <laughs> it's, it's, it's every single headache we have from our portfolio is from the suited houses, the single family houses, nothing, nothing. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. I wish they cash flow better. I really do. It's a darn shame. All right. Glenn's on his way out. He says, have a great day. Glenn, you have a great birthday. Um, a reminder, guys. Calgary, February 4th, the REI Masters networking event. Do not wait until the last minute to register. Go register right now um, because it will be sold out today. So uh, you can find that link. Uh, like I said, go to Eventbrite. Look up REI Masters. Um, it's pinned. It's pinned. Or go to our free Facebook group, Real Estate Investing Masters, and uh, you can register there. I've um, got some great guest speakers. Never mind. I was in the, I was in the mentorship group. It's not pinned, but it pin, will be. You got to pin that? <laughs> yeah. All right. Gabby's going to pin that. Um, today's Thursday. Oh, hey, it's a, it's master's coaching session day. Whoop, whoop. Uh, Thursday is when we do our coaching sessions. Uh, for everyone else, we'll see you on Friday. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Interested in being a guest on the show? Send us an email to info at reimorningshow.com. 